This is Amateur Logic, episode 185, for September 15th, 2023. Amateur Logic is brought to you by ICOM. Keep your competitive contesting edge with ICOM. ICOM's high power base stations cut through pileups, letting you work the bands and record those contacts. Heard it, worked it, logged it. Good evening. Welcome to another exciting episode of Amateur Logic. I'm George. I'm Tommy. I'm Emil. And Mike is not with us tonight. He's in parts unknown. Actually, I think he's somewhere on a boat. Yeah, he sent us a picture. He's uh, on a cruise somewhere. Nice. Oh, that's he's got the what? hat. Regal Princess with one S. I guess so. It's the love boat. Must be Hamilton, Ontario. Oh, ah, okay. I guess. It must be. Well, unfortunately, he... But that don't look like Hamilton, Ontario behind it. No, it doesn't, but the hat is there, so the he's in good company. Yep. He's yeah. always representing. Thanks, yep. Mike. He'll be back with us next month. But tonight, hey, you got to put up with us three. <laughs> Email, you need a Gilligan's hat there. That would Yeah, that would Mill's work, always representing, too. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, he's got the infamous amateur logic bucket hat. Wait a we got the, the bucket a, hat with my space shuttle pin and the Huntsville Ham Fest pin. It's all loaded up, George. Okay. How can you top that? <laughs> you can't. I'm trying to think of something about the top and the hat, but I'm, I'm, I'm just going to move right on. Yeah, along. you probably better leave that alone. Tommy, what have you got on there? Just a stack of paper and a pen and some goodies to give away later tonight. Or, well, we're not going to give it away. We're going to talk about it. No, I mean, was it W5AX? Oh, my shirt? My wardrobe? Whiskey 5 Alpha X-Ray Charlie. If you contacted us on field day, you probably heard that. That's our club call. So, anyway, got this shirt. First time I got a chance to wear it. So, here it is. Southern Amateur Radio Experimenters Club. Yep. Y'all been there, and y'all got the T-shirt. Yep, we have. I'm wearing an old standby here. This is a W5 JDX shirt. This is prop. This shirt, man, I don't know how old it is. It had that thing a long time. You might see some various odds and ends on the table here that are not usually here. Hmm. And that means we're going to be giving away some stuff next month. Pretty cool stuff, too. Pretty cool stuff, including Tommy's radio. No, probably not going to be including that. Okay. Well, Might be including one like it. Could be. Well, we'll be back to talk about that a little bit later in the show, but we got some other stuff to talk about first. Email, what's been going on down there? We finally got a slight break in the temperature here i don't know rain wise we hadn't had much of a break it's been dry as a bone 
Yeah, the I think I think fall is trying to come through down here. There's still some 90 degrees and 80 upper 80 degree days, but uh, fall is trying to sneak in there. Every once in a while, we wake up to 75, mm-hmm. and there are there has been uh, many days of rain locally here. So that's always a good thing for us. Not many but, days here. No. No. Okay, it's coming. I got a little it's rain trying. the other day. You didn't get any. I got drizzle a couple of days. I got a little here one day, but not many days like Emil's talking about. He's just like rubbing it in. Uh, <laughs> well, we we are using and taking advantage of some of that weather and getting ready for our uh, ham fest down here, the uh, Ozone Amateur Radio Club's uh, October, uh, let's see, is, uh, I think Sixth it's... Sixth and seventh? Sixth and seventh is the... Uh, I think. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's right. <laughs> yep. If you go to W5SLA.net, you'll see it. But uh, it's coming up, and we're getting ready for it, and we've been taking advantage of all this weather, having some meetings, getting everything organized. And I got my forum presentation ready to go, and there you go. There you have it. We're we're about to uh, jump right in. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to try really hard to make it down there this year. That's good to hear. Tommy, what have you been up to? Besides not cutting not the yard. Not cutting the yard, yeah. doing the rain dance, trying to pray for rain. <laughs> okay. I really hadn't been up to a whole lot. Uh, my ticket expired the other day, uh, well, first of the month, so I took care of that. That's about all the ham stuff I've actually really done. You'll be telling us about how you do that these days. I will. Hopefully it'll help somebody out. Yeah. Cool. I've just been working. It's been slightly cooler. I did do a project this week, now that I think about it. Uh, My uh, little Nissan Frontier pickup truck has a a radio in it with a colored display on it. You know, not touchscreen, but just, you know, decent-sized little display. Didn't have a backup camera on it, so I bought me a $35 backup camera from Amazon. Figured out the wiring harness, uh, what pins I needed to tap on. I found it on the internet. Uh, no, not like that. <laughs> anyway, some guy had documented it and posted it on the internet and a document, and it he had the Mauser part numbers of the exact connectors you needed to fit the radio. And by the way, Nissan pickup uses a Panasonic radio. Hmm. That's what's in there. But And all the pin numbers, and so I ordered the parts and built me a little harness and put it in there. Works like a champ. So oh, cool. That's what I've been doing. I might have to look in there and see where you mount that, where you, how, how it looks. You, you tap that thing? Uh, well, yeah, I did, more or less. Well, at least you'll be able to see while you're going backwards so you don't tap anything else. There you go. The problem is right now, the way I had to mount it, the little bracket that came with it, it's pointed up a little bit. So you can't see exactly what's on the ground behind you a little bit further back. But, boy, you can get a good view of the tops of the trees behind you. <laughs> oh, anyway. you'll get it worked out. Yeah, I got to do a little uh, <laughs> little improvement on the mounting system here. Email. You don't have an email today, but you did have something you wanted to share with us, didn't you? I did. It's a post from our... Uh high-flying friend and ham, W7JET, Brian Betts. And it looks like this year 
And recently, he went over and operated QRP Portable for the uh, AWRL September VHF contest. And he was on uh, six meters and uh, two meters, 1.25, 70 centimeters, 902 meg, and 1.26 gigs. Said he got about 1,600-ish points after five hours of operation Wow! uh, using his uh, FT817. I think uh, that's the rig Wayne has, isn't it? Um, Yeah. And to achieve those higher bands, he was using some transverters. And I asked him, you know, hey, please do tell a little more about these transverters. And he wrote back to me saying for uh, the 900 and 1.2 gig bands, he uses... Uh, some transverters from a company called SG Lab, which use the two meter for IF, uh, puts out about three watts and on 900 meg, and then one and a half watt on 1.2 uh, gigs. And for the 220 band, he uh, uses a unit he said he got from eBay, which uses 10 meters as an IF. So I thought that was pretty interesting. I've never personally ever used transverters and things like that or operated in 900 or 1.2 gig yet. I thought that was a pretty interesting read. And you can see the pictures there of uh, where he is. You know, that's a that's a pretty long time to be up there in that thin air. But yeah, then again, like he is. Uh, I think he's a pilot. So maybe he's used to that. Yeah. <laughs> looks like a pretty nice spot. Yep. That George, if you remember, Brian, we ran into him, uh, what, it was a couple of years back at Dayton. Yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I've been on on his uh, flights before a couple times. Although Mike is not here with us tonight, he is contributing a segment. It's, uh, I don't know, it sounds like a, a cooking segment to me, peeling back the layers of an onion. Oh, man. Onion. Yeah. Uh, wait, that's uh, that's Unun. Unun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's see what he was talking about. Peeling back the layers of an unun. Common mode choke balance. A while ago, in Amateur Logic episode 103, I did a video segment that George aptly titled The Canadian Ballon. It was a 4-to-1 Grinella ballon for use with an off-center fed dipole antenna. That ballon design inherently is designed to reduce common mode currents on the antenna feed line. However, I chose to build with Type 61 or K-mix ferrite toroids. While this was a good choice for high power and 160 meter band coverage, it's really not effective for reducing common mode currents on the feed line. In this segment, I'm going to talk about the various ferrite mixes and how toroid selection is important for the ballon you are constructing. We'll be focusing mainly on choke or line isolation balance. The term ballon is usually used to indicate balance to unbalance, whereas the term un-un is used to indicate unbalanced to unbalanced. The cool thing about ballons or un-uns is that they are cascadable. In other words, you can have them in series, and for the most part, they will work just fine with each other. We'll be making an onion which accepts an unbalanced coax input and has an unbalanced output. Because of each internal connection is made identically, the onion is asymmetrical and can be connected in either direction. 
I intend to add an onion to my 4 to 1 that is made with a preferred 31 mix for its superior common mode choking properties. As you'll see shortly, making a choker line isolation onion is really easy when making it with coaxial cable. Here are some of the websites that I discovered while researching. I found that some of the recommendations varied to some extent and found myself seeking more and more information in order to get some sort of consensus. Because of the sheer volume of the information out there, I decided to narrow my search down to the manufacturers of ferrite material. Here are at least two big players in this arena, Armadin and Ferrite. Not surprising, I found that Polymer Engineering had an extensive amount of very useful information on their site. After all, they've been in the RF solutions business for a very long time. My research found that a Type 31 mix is optimal for common mode current reduction, so my Unun will use a 61mm Type 31 toroid. The preferred vendor for ferrite is Mauser Electronics, and that is where I placed my order. As a side note, I have to mention that my order was promptly processed and received. I have to add that it was also very well packaged and likely could have survived a drop from a three-story building. Seriously though, due to the fragile nature of ferrite material, it is much appreciated. Okay, let's take some time to look at the various ferrite mixes. And as they say, it's all in the mix. And this certainly applies when choosing a ferrite mix for a design application. This ferrite mix selection slide gives great summary on material types. There are a few key points that I've highlighted. I'll summarize these ferrite aspects for you in a few slides. This slide helps to explain the different mixes. For bellin and unun making, I've highlighted the ones most suited for that purpose. Just an important note, mix type 31 can be used for one-to-one -one or line isolation balance and are not suitable for transformer type balance. This note slide has additional suitability information. The right toroid for the right job. I've summarized all the important data into one easy to read chart. I wish I had made this chart sooner. Lastly, this graph illustrates a typical response curve for the frequency range and application use. Let's make an unknown. But before I get into the details, if you head over to the Fairrite website, you'll find a video on making your own one-to-one -one ballon. The build in the video is slightly different than mine in that it's actually a one-to-one -one ballon for a wire dipole, whereas the one I made can be connected anywhere in the feed line since it has an SO239 connector on each end. I should point out that a one-to-one -one ballon should be connected as close to the antenna feed point as possible unless you're using it for a Carolina window where having a portion of the feed line radiating is desired. Okay, let's get building. First I've got a 61mm Type 31 toroid from Mauser Electronics. An IP65 waterproof enclosure. Note, not all plastics like this ABS one are UV stabilized. A quick coat of plastic compatible spray paint will easily remedy that. ABS withstands high temperatures, so there won't be any warpage issues with the hot sun. 
a length of RG316 coaxial cable. You'll need about a meter length for this project. Note, any 50 ohm coax cable could be used here, but you'll need to wind nine turns around through the toroid, so RG316 is a good choice. The Teflon installation is heat resistant, and the small diameter makes it easy to wind. A pair of SO239 RF chassis connectors. And finally, the mounting hardware to secure the SO239s and ring terminal connectors to attach the coax shield. This slide has good environmental information and suggestions for protection. It also discusses the Curie or maximum temperature that the ferrite material can withstand before permanent damage will occur. Putting it all together. Wind the toroid as per the diagram with an appropriate length of RG316. You should have a free end of the coax extending out the opposite ends of the toroid. Both of these ends should be secured with a tie wrap, leaving enough cable on each end of the coax for connection to the SO239s. Trim as required and strip off about three quarters of an inch and tin with solder. This will make soldering to the RF connectors easier. The next thing to do is prepare the enclosure by drilling all the necessary holes for the SO239. One center large hole with four smaller holes to accommodate the SO239 connector. Do this at each end of the enclosure. Next, install both SO239 chassis connectors. Now position the wound toroid in the enclosure and solder the coax ends to the SO239s. I didn't find that I needed to secure the wound toroid in the enclosure to prevent it from rattling around, but your mileage may vary. Well, that's all there is to it. I hope you enjoyed this video and find the information about the various ferrite mixes useful. 7-3 from Mike, VE3MIC. We're going to come back and you're going to answer a question that was asked some time back. And Two you months ago and it slipped through the cracks. Yeah, you didn't really have an answer back then. I didn't. Yeah. But I have one now. You will have one in about two minutes. Okay. All right. <laughs> Don't go away. We'll be right back. Keep your competitive contesting edge with ICOM. ICOM's high-power base stations cut through polyps, letting you work the bands and record those contacts. Contest from the comfort of your home or remotely with the RSBA1 app. Heard it, worked it, logged it. The IC7851 gives you a new window into the RF world and is HF excellence unparalleled. With faster processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and a cleaner signal, it's truly the pinnacle of HF perfection. Dual receivers, digital IF filters, memory keyer, digital voice recorder, high-resolution spectrum waterfall display, enhanced PC connectivity, and SD memory card slot. The IC7610 is the SDR every ham wants. This high-performance SDR can pick out faint signals in the presence of stronger adjacent signals. The ICOM IC7610 is a direct sampling software-defined radio that has changed the world's definition of an SDR. RF Direct Sampling System, 110 dB RMDR, independent dual receivers, and dual digicell. ICOM's IC7300 is a high-performance, innovative HF transceiver with a compact design that will far exceed your expectations. 
This innovative HF transceiver digitizes RF before various receiver stages, reducing the generated inherent noise in different IF stages. This is a radio that changed the way entry-level HF is designed. RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope, and SD memory card slot. The real HF fun starts here. For more information about ICOM's amateur offerings, visit icomamerica.com slash lineup slash amateur. Thanks, ICOM, for sponsoring Amateur Logic. And also, thanks for a great prize we're going to be talking about a little bit later. Oh, yeah. And even email's microphone there, you know. <laughs> Stylish. I've got an email. You do have an email. We were just talking about that. It's a real email. Oh. It's not a, I, there's a, we got an email, too, but I got an email. <laughs> this one actually came in a couple months ago, and, and it slipped through the cracks. And um, So... Anyway, it's from my friend Mike, uh, KG6TDP. says, I have a question about the inverter on the EB3A. I'm talking about the uh, the little portable power device that I used at Field Day. What brand? That was Blue Eddy. Blue Eddy, EB3A. Yeah. Is it noisy with an AM radio running near it? And also, is it quiet on the HF bands with the inverter running? I've seen a 300-watt pure sine wave from China, it's very noisy on radios when it's running. It's almost as bad as driving past an 18-wheeler that has their inverter running while listening to an AM radio in my vehicle. Well, I, the other night, I, I ran across this email again. I'm sorry it took so long, but I, I actually got the thing out and powered it up, and I made a little clip checking it, and okay. uh, here it is. I got my AM radio here. Let's turn it on. Turn the volume up so you can hear it good. Now let's power on the device. Uh, you can see it changed it. It actually covered up some of the noise. Uh, turn on the DC. DC came on. You can hear some noise from that. Let's turn that back off and let's turn on the inverter. It's definitely some noise from the inverter. A lot of noise but I'm right beside it. Okay. So I know that's not a scientific test, but th- there's noise, a lot of noise, obviously, when it's close by. Uh, but I moved it away, as you see, and, and I didn't hear any yeah. noise from it. I did scan around the, on the band there, too. I didn't just didn't put that in the video, so the video would be short. <laughs> and I also turned on my HF rig. My antenna's out around the other side of the house. And uh, Anyway, I didn't pick up any noise on my HF rig from it. But I'm, I'm sure there's some there. I've heard other people say that there's noise from it. Um, but I, I didn't detect much other than what you basically what you saw right there when it was right beside it okay so yeah yeah i kind of cringed when you first flipped it on but yeah yeah it's pretty it was pretty noisy (laughs) (laughs) when you pull the radio back a few feet yeah right so anyway hope that helps okay so now that you've solved that problem for us the FCC license renewal process went through some changes here a while back. It did. We we talked about that on the show when, yeah. it, when it happened. Uh, you got to pay thirty five dollars now for 
for your ticket and you don't get it uh, one in the mail on the nice paper anymore you basically have to print your own it'll look like that but, but it is an official copy it is official it says it right there on it mm-hmm. um, but anyway I, I thought I was going to do something different for my segment but this kind of came up I thought it might help some people that weren't sure about how to we got a different kind of segment for you today it's uh, been 10 years since I renewed my ham license for the, this will be the third time to renew it, I guess. Uh, yeah, because this will be, I've been ham for a little over 30 years. Anyway, I got a nice email from my friends at the ARRL. It says, Dear Thomas M5ZNO, again, that's what they call me. My license will be expiring on September the 7th of this year. So I can go ahead and renew it now up to 90 days before or after my license expires. So I'm going to go ahead and take care of it ahead of time. So I want mine done right away. I've got about a month to go, but a month and a week. Uh, file renewal application, you can use the ULS License Manager. So let's uh, let's take a look at that. You're going to need to make an account here. You're going to need an FRN or FCC registration number, or you need yours. It's on your license right there at the bottom. So take a look at that, and you'll see it. So enter that, and you need your password. You're in, if you don't have an account, you're going to need to link it. And this is going to show the licenses that I am eligible to renew or manage. I'm set up to manage my wife's also, but I'm going to click on mine at N5ZNO. shows my... Grants, effective, and expirations. Up here it says I'm eligible for renewal. But before we do that, I want to take another look at the email. It says you can use that if you before you renew, you need to create a CORS username and account. So let's just take a quick look at that. This is where you need to do that. I've done it, but if you haven't, go in here and register, create your username account, and you will link it to your frn number so I, i've unfortunately i've already done that and i can't go through that step but let's let's just log in so this is where you associate your username to your frn and you go go in and take care of that and uh, set all that stuff up and then you'll be able to go back and, and manage your license uh, i wish i could go through that for you but i've done this several times before so that's all been set up for me so let's go ahead and begin the renewal process. Now, if you remember on Amateur Logic a while back, we discussed, I think it was about a year ago, a little over, that they were going to start charging a fee, $35 for every 10 years, which is $350 a year. I, I'm okay with that. If that keeps the hobby going, no problem. But uh, things are different. You're going to register on here, as you'll see, or pay your fee online using your credit card or whatever. And then uh, they're going to send you a license renewal that you're going to print yourself. So that you won't get the nice pre-printed one on the fancy paper anymore. So let's let's go through the process here. So this is me, call sign. I want to continue. No, I'm not exempt. And no, I'm not exempt. Okay, if the license is being updated, the update result from sale transfer control. 
It's not being transferred or anything. Go to the options. Yes or no. Basic qualification information. Has the applicant or any party to this applicant or party directly or indirectly controlling the applicant ever been convicted of a felony? No, I have not. Continue. Submitted. I've submitted the application to all the categories. View, yada, yada, yada. Fee is going to be $35, which we discussed a few moments ago. It's an amateur. I've decided to renew it. Uh, that's my correct information. Select edit and review. Continue to certify. Let's sign it. Party authorized sign. Thomas Bell Martin Sr. Submit my application. Okay, so I've got to pay $35. U.S. Treasury will reject transactions over $24,999.99. Well, I'm glad they would reject it because I reject paying that much. So let's go on, move on, continue the course for payment completion. And let's go through here. Okay, now we've got to log into the CORS account we talked about earlier. Uh, so, log in with your credentials. And let's see, associate, manage, bills, and fees. That looks like it might be the right place to go. View and pay ULS application fees. I think that's us. Uh, continue, that's me. Continue to pay. Yes, that would be me also. $35. My purpose is RO, whatever that means. And it's done on July the 31st. Continue. And I'm going to continue again. $35. That's me. Pay from my bank account. Pay from a credit card. Okay, this is interesting. You got plenty of options. Pay from a bank account. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pay by a credit card. So have a little bit of uh, protection through credit card, even though this is a government. Always need to be careful. Wire transfer or check or money order. So I'm going to go ahead and do the credit card. Plastic money. I authorized to charge my card. Let's read over this and make sure that we want to authorize that. $35. Okay. I'll go with that. Money well spent for 10 more years of fun. Thank you for your payment. View form 159. And 159, I'll save that, whatever it is. Take a look at it. Somehow they have got my wrong address. They've got, somehow they rolled back to my old address. I know I've changed this. The moral of the story is, go back and check all your information before you submit your payment. So hopefully mine went through okay. 
Okay, so I'll be back once I get uh, get everything from them. Okay, this is the second part of my segment on getting my license renewed. I did my last part on the Saturday. This is the following Saturday. Uh, I would have thought it would have been immediate because they don't have to print out your license, but apparently somebody must still be personally approving them. Um, so I've got an email here. It came in actually on Tuesday, on the 1st. Yeah, Tuesday. Around uh, 3.22 a.m. So it took a, a good business day, and then sometime in the middle of the night, I got the uh, the email. I haven't clicked the link yet, so let's go ahead and see what happens. It says, uh, this email is notify you of the recent grant of your application, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to click it. Access is denied. That's not good. If you can, if you can't access the authorization, if you can't access the authorization using the link, you can download the authorization from the license manager. Let's try this again. Great, perfect, good government job. Okay, let's click the license manager. And I'll log back in using my usual stuff. And let's, uh, authorizations to download. Let's download it. There it is. Okay, so I'll download that, uh, right there. I'll just leave this name for now. Let's look at it. And there it is, my official copy and there is my new ticket with an expiration date of 9-7 of 2033. Well it wasn't too bad. It wasn't perfectly smooth sailing. Uh, you saw there were a few hiccups but it wasn't it wasn't bad like I said. The worst part I guess was probably paying $35 but I'm actually okay with that. That's like $350 a year because the license is good for a 10 year period. And that's a small price to pay for all the enjoyment I get out of ham radio. Anyway, hopefully this helped you. 73. There yeah. it is. When, when you saw that access denied there, I was thinking, they must believe you lied on that felony question. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so to say, did, you, did you say convicted or what? Yeah. Denied. Yeah. yeah, that's the government for you. Nothing yeah. goes smooth, man. Even taking your money, you would think that they'd like make you taking your money so easy. So what, when I after I submitted my application, it said go pay. You need to pay your fees. It doesn't really tell you about there. You'd think there'd be a link that says click yeah. here to pay yeah. your, your fee. But I had, I went over there to the core stuff and found it easy. Well, you saw that's exactly what I did. Wow. But anyway, it's not that bad. So. Whoever hadn't done it, if you got it coming up, it's a pretty easy process. Thought maybe yeah. it'd help somebody. Not, not too bad. I I know for a while there they wouldn't take your money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. You know, your in money. that address, that's my that was where I lived in Missouri sixteen almost sixteen years ago. Wow. And I, I'm sure that I've changed that since I've been back. But, you know, it wasn't too long ago that system was down. I kind of mm -hmm. wonder if they rolled back to an old version of the data or something. 
I, I, I don't know. But at any rate, uh, before you pay your money, let's learn. Just go double check all your uh, address on both systems, everything. Make sure everything's right and current. You pays your money and you takes your chances. You know what they say? <laughs> yep. Wow. I've got what can only be described here as an email. No. From an actual A real viewer. email? Well, that's what I had, too. What's this, going on here? This guy watched <laughs> the show. Which one did he watch? hope he watched uh, more than one. About one episode <laughs> back. George, this is my first time asking a question about one of the episodes. I've watched many of the shows and enjoy the humor and technical information. In the video, you were talking about using a construction guide provided by Joe KC8LC about balance. Would it be possible for you to tell me where that document could be downloaded or to get a copy if possible? Any help would be appreciated. Thank you very much. Richard Newbel, W7UIT, seven threes. And I sent Richard back an email with the link to where you can download that document, amateurlogic.tv slash download slash capital B little A-L-U-N underscore capital C instruction, construction, dot PDF. Not obstruction. Not obstruction. All the details are right there. It's the the document I followed. And this didn't start out to be... uh, a ballin heavy episode. It just turned out this way. Yeah, well, it's it's a very common ham uh, piece of gear. Yeah, uh, not, not to be confused with an onion or an onion, no. but a ballon. An onion. Uh, yep. That's actually the first time I've heard it called an onion. Yep. Unon. Well, that's what it is. You know that's what right. that means. No, you don't. Yep, it brings a tear to my eye just <laughs> just to hear you say I that. I hear it now. <laughs> it's unbalanced to unbalanced. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, oh no. actually, I should have known that. Yeah, you I probably should have. You forgot that. That's yeah, how tall that I was. knew. I knew that. I know yeah. what balance was. It just makes sense. So you want to set this up for us? Absolutely. So. For all of you uh, Raspberry Pi nerds and uh, fellow uh, ham pie users, it's it's time to Buster move <laughs> and get off of Buster and move over to Bullseye. So hit the bullseye. you might not. <laughs> What's that? Gotta hit the Bullseye. It's time to hit the Bullseye pie in the sky because, <laughs> as you might know. It's uh Buster is a it's a port of Debian, right? There's 32 bits, there's 64 bit versions, and uh, the support and long term support for that Debian version 10 or Buster as it's called by name is going away next year, and it's time to convert your apps, get off of there, and move to something that they'll actually support if you expect to receive bug fixes, security issues, etc. George, Tommy, Mike, Amateur Logic TV viewers, 
Got an old Raspberry Pi sitting around. Notice that it's not pulling updates anymore for your OS. Maybe you got Buster running some old apps and jobs or uh, some other version that might be out of uh, whack. Well, time to hit a different operating system and hit the bullseye depending on what uh, pie you have. Mm, step one, get yourself a new card and related adapter depending on what you have to read it so that you can put it in your new pie or old pie. Step two, download the Raspberry Pi Imager. I think the latest version since this one is 1.7.5 which you can get from their website. Load it up in your adapter or in your computer. In this case, I don't need one. I have a slot for it. And it will open and choose the appropriate OS. There are different ones to choose from. I'm going to choose the 32-bit bullseye with the uh, Raspberry Pi desktop for my needs. Bullseye is the latest version. Then you would choose the storage, which we just put into the computer. It uh, should show up as one. And we're going to say to write. Are you sure? Yep, it was blank and start it writing. It'll do a write pass and then it'll verify the write. I'm not gonna show all of that here. They published the life cycles of the different Raspbian distributions here in one of their forums on the Raspberry Pi site. One of their experts there and uh, Raspbian Buster. Uh, there's a progression, right? Wheezy, Jesse, all the Toy Story characters stretch through 2019 and then Buster got replaced with the uh, Raspberry Pi OS 32 and then that got replaced with the 64 or it was used for the 64-bit version of Buster um, but now Buster's was replaced with the uh, Raspberry Pi OS bullseye so support updates that type of thing are uh, where we're going with this. So if you noticed, you couldn't get updates or so there's never any new packages. This is why their support for uh, certain distributions is ending. And if you want to keep current, you need to push forward to uh, Bullseye. When it's done, it'll open up a new browser window or file explorer. You can close that. And now it automatically ejects it. So you can take it out of the computer. has a little snap now it has the new OS on it and we're gonna put it back into the pie once it's in the pie new card in the pie then we're gonna boot it up power it on and let it go through its process of booting up 
it'll do some uh, resizing of the file systems and creation of things and eventually come up to the GUI. There are a few items that you're going to have to set up as a part of the uh, setup since it's a new uh, image. You can connect it up to your Wi-Fi when you uh, install it. That's one of the options as you're going through the setup. There's some things I like to do. I'm not going to use Bluetooth for this uh, particular Pi. And that little symbol is telling you that there's updates. And that's one of the reasons we did this in the first place. But uh, there is a command that you can run. How do I know I have what I set out? There's a cat OS release in the Etsy directory under the root file system. So there you go. It's bullseye. We hit the bullseye and now we have this version uh, the latest version which will allow for um, updates they are always creating functionality and and fixing security issues and what have you so that would be the reason to uh, keep that high up to date and uh, help with that and uh, everybody's probably more than familiar with the app command so I'm gonna go ahead and run that if you spell it right studio huh there's no studio it's Phil Collins so it's gonna go ahead and get those uh, repositories in the lists of things there you go 88 packages now there is an option when you're actually doing this uh, during the up uh, uh, in the initial setup where you can update it but I went ahead and let it uh, skip that part during the setup so you could see what this is all about so it's telling me right there we got five megs worth of uh, new updates you want to do that at least it asks you you can suppress those prompts but now it's gonna go run through all 88 of those packages download them and then install them and handle it and there you go so uh, the reason to move to bullseye and it's actually pi os right this is uh they they kind of moved away from uh the raspbian term a while back and now it's uh, pi os with different code names so bullseye is the bullseye if you want to keep up to date with updates errata and all the other fixes they're putting out there or added functionality um, one of the things I noticed of course if you come in if you used if you used to buster and you're coming from that distro and things there's some different commands they added the network manager to make things a little bit more native or for people used to using Linux and they also added some different camera suites and video drivers and things so there's a uh, lot there's some descriptions of the different functionalities but the real reasons that I'm doing this is because they keep the uh, software up to date this is what they're actively developing on and that is why I do it 7-3 well one more thing gotta keep it cheap it's the real reason Raspbian and uh, PyOS rather is free and you can do awesome things with these little pies. We got quite a few of them over here doing all sorts of tasks for me. So, 7 3.
Okay. Thank you, dog. Wrecked your truck, man. <laughs> In that hat, too. Yeah. yeah. Mel's giving us a side eye tonight over there. Cutting that eye. I've, I've noticed that, yeah. Let's <laughs> keep an eye on us, all right. There's five or six pies over at my house doing different things, automated, uh, and I have a little cycle of uh, patching them every week. That's also automated. There's, uh, If you're familiar with Linux and you've done things in the development or DevOps or DevSecOps world, then you'll know there's plenty of stuff out there to make these things work. And I just, I love them. I love yeah. those things. Oh, pretty I, awesome. I've got one in the house that runs all the time. It, it never shut it off. And it's just there as a utility machine sitting in the living room with a monitor and keyboard and all. And plus, I can VNC into my Windows box out here in the shack if I need to, uh, which is normally what I do. You know, if I want to access it rather than walk out here, I'll do that. Works great for that. I've got one at work that uh, I wrote uh, software for and connected it with some equipment there and got a heads-up display for a off-the-air monitor where it's monitoring six different radio stations and displaying on a big screen out there in the commons area you know each station's call letters in their green backgrounds if they're on if they got dead air it goes red and flashes a strobe in the building so everybody knows uh but it's been running for a number of years everybody knows to call you yeah, everybody knows to go check and make sure their record didn't run oh, out oh. Or, or whatever. <laughs> or, or dead, any number. dead air. Yeah, dead air. Um, it's been working flawlessly for years. And I've got, I don't know how many I've got on the bench over here. I probably should not disclose the number because I'm not sure, but <laughs> probably half a dozen. Yep. Um, really? Yeah, probably. I actually so. donated several of my old ones to somebody, one of my son's friends. Yeah. She was really kind of getting into them, and I gave her uh, several of them that I wasn't yeah. using. Yeah, I probably need to lighten the load a little bit. I just bought another one, though. I bought. You know, you give them simple tasks to do, and that operating system stable enough. You, you schedule them. You give it. You can even give it multiple things to do, as you guys know, mm-hmm. with cron and, and jobs that run. As long as the code is stable, those things will just run and run and run. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'll do exactly what you tell it to do for a long time. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've done several things with them. I had a, I made a NAS out of one one time. Yep. Network attached storage. That was back when it was just USB two, though it was a little bit slow, so. That one got repurposed, but it actually would probably be too bad now with the USB 3. Yeah. Yeah. I just got a 4B with 8 gigabytes of RAM. Just imaged it with Bullseye after watching email segment there. I didn't realize there was a new uh, a new version out there. But anyway, put 64-bit OS on this one instead of 32 and... Yeah, I hadn't run into any problems with it. Everything's worked that I wanted to do. It seemed like maybe it's a little faster. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, it's... I think the 64-bit 
build's been out for a good while, but there were some compatibility stuff at first, so not yeah. too many people were using it. But it sounds like they probably got that straightened out now. So I think they have I probably it. need to look at upgrading mine. Everything I've tried has worked. Now, I did notice this, you know, where you can go to recommended software in the menu there mm-hmm. under, what is it, accessories or system? I'm not sure. Yeah, system. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, recommended software. If you do that on a 32-bit Raspberry Pi OS, you'll get a pretty good-sized list of stuff that's available. If you do yeah. it on the 64-bit one, it's not as much stuff in the list. Oh, yep. yeah? Yeah. But stuff I wanted to do was all in the list. Let's take a quick break because we're going to come right back, and we're going to talk about some stuff we're going to be giving away next month. You're not going to have to wait forever on this one. We'll tell you how you could register to win. Somebody's going to, and it won't be one of us, and it won't be Mike either. So let me just get that up front. <laughs> Somebody's going to win it, though. At the end of each month, it's Amateur Logic's Ham College, the new show for those new to the hobby and those wanting to get into amateur radio. Which of the following is a purpose of the amateur radio service as stated in the FCC rules and regulations? That inductor and capacitor form a tuned circuit. That's how you tune the radio to the frequency that you want. The English language. We lived in town. I liked it. I, I listened to mine a lot. It was really cool because you didn't have to have a battery to power yeah. There's our homemade telegraph station. We can use it for long-distance communications. Oh, like, uh, what, three feet yeah, here? across the table. The answer is B. Voltage was named after Italian physicist Alessandro Volta. We can see we're generating a little bit of electricity there. It's DC. It's always great to go back and get a refresher. It well, sure is. A lot of that stuff, if you've been a ham for a while like we have, you, you don't really think about a lot of that stuff that often. They didn't have electric screwdrivers in those days, so that's why we're not using ones. That's why we went primitive with it. Yeah. So let's see if we can hear anything when we, uh, we fire off our spark gap transmitter. Well, we didn't build anything or blow up anything today, but... Um, the night's still young. This year, next month, 2023, Logic's going to be 18 years old. Old you enough know, to vote. Old enough to I, vote. I swear, it seems like... I, I say this every time, but it's true. It seems like it was yesterday we were over here doing that one. Mm-hmm. We met at the transmitter site come over here that night to record the other part of it yep i I mean i remember it playing his day like it was yesterday but it's so hard to believe it's been close to 20 years 18 years when you go back and watch some of those other earlier ones it does kind of look like a bunch of kids although we were not kids no (laughs) well we did look a little younger because we were yeah a lot younger about 18 years younger I seem to remember a ponytail in there somewhere, too. Yeah, in the... I don't know how many episodes I had the ponytail, but... (laughs) Yeah, for a good while. Yeah. Anyway, wow. It's time to celebrate 18 years. Hey, we're going to give somebody a great 18th birthday prize package here. For our birthday, you get the prize, the present. That doesn't seem fair, does it? But yeah. that that's the way we go. That's how we roll here. Yep. 
Exactly. And the grand prize, well, really the only prize is going to be this stuff right here. You don't get my coffee cup. You probably don't want it anyway. You can't read the Amateur Logic logo on it anymore. <laughs> but wow, you can you really see a little bit of Ham College. Yeah. You use that cup a lot, don't you? Yeah, I have death grip on it, man. Uh-huh. Got some mileage. Yep. We've got a prize package here from ICOM and MFJ. It's Tommy's radio, the IC705. <laughs> Base station performance and features in the palm of your hand designed for field operations. The IC705 is packaged in a compact, lightweight, portable size. Whether you're taking your hobby to Soda, Poda, or some other on-air location, the IC705 will be your go-to rig. HF, 6 meters, 2 meters, and 440. Multiple modes. You can enjoy a variety of the bands with D-Star DV, single slide band, CW, RIDI, AM and FM modes. The IC705 receives continuously from 30 kilohertz through 144 megahertz. That means you can enjoy FM broadcast and airband reception on it as well. The IC705 employs an RF direct sampling system where RF signals are directly converted to digital data, then processed by the FPGA or the Field Programmable Gate Array, making it possible to simplify the circuit construction as well as reducing internal noise that can mask weak signals. And with the real-time spectrum scope and waterfall display, you can quickly see band activity as well as find a clear frequency. Scroll mode automatically keeps the operating signal within the scope's range. The large 4.3-inch color TFT touch LCD, same size as the IC7300 and 9700, offer intuitive Operation of functions, settings, and various operational visual aids, such as the band scope, waterfall, and audio scope functions. One touch FT8 mode preset. I think that's uh, in, new in the firmware. That wasn't originally in that there. That was, was a it? firmware upgrade. That yeah. Preset memory offers smooth FT8 operation. You can start FT8 mode operation only by selecting FT8 from the preset menu. And you can have up to five preset memories stored. Base station performance in the palm of your hand. You quickly see how this compact radio is rugged for outdoor use in the small, lightweight package. Weighs approximately 2.4 pounds. And with the BP-272 lithium-ion battery pack or a 13.8-volt DC external power supply, you could utilize the high-capacity battery from the ID-51A and... 31A handhelds, or of course you can use the uh, external power supply for operation and charging of the battery pack, 272. Yeah, and that's the same battery as on the uh, ID52A as well. Maximum output power is 5 watts with the battery pack, or 10 watts if you run 13.8 volts DC into the rig. In portable mode, a BP-272 battery can last approximately three hours, and it's got a little asterisk here, and I didn't copy down what the footnote said. But I don't think you could key down for three hours, but typical operating, yeah, 
I'll go mm -hmm. three hours on it. It's perfect for true 5-watt QRP as well as 0.5-watt QRPP operations. It's got uh, wireless LAN and Bluetooth built in. Use those technologies for linking and remote control for true wireless operation. And the VS3 headset, optional, enables more comfortable operation via Bluetooth, which I, I used uh, Bluetooth on field day yeah. for the headset. You did. An internal GPS receiver and antenna enhance your operations by providing location logging. Receive and transmit locations via DPRS. Near me repeater search scan. QSO recording with metadata. And internal clock synchronization. The micro SD card slot enables storage of user profiles, QSO recording, TX voice memory keys. Hey. You got TX Force memory. In yeah, there. that'd be I, handy I, I, for I field didn't play day. around with that. I didn't yeah. think about looking at that. Yeah, ready logging, GPS data, screen capture, firmware upgrades, and programming. Micro SD card slot comes in pretty handy. Oh yeah, I used it to uh, to record some stuff. I think I sent it to Emil one night, if I'm not mistaken. In addition, as micro USB connector on here, in addition to two COM ports, a radio control. Plus audio, the IC705 can be charged via the micro USB port, which is which is handy. It, it does charge. It'll keep the radio powered, but it won't actually give you the uh, 10 watts, but it'll keep yeah. it running for 5 watts. Yeah. And enjoy the latest DV mode features with the IC705. Got have direct access to the D-Star network with terminal or access point modes. Additionally, the IC705 has the photo share feature introduced with the IC9700. Share photos without the need of a computer or other users with an IC705 and an IC9700. Comes with a programmable speaker mic. Uh, you can enjoy portable operations with it. Perfect for the 705. User assignable buttons put functions like frequency, volume adjustment at the tips of your fingers without removing it. From the backpack. There's an optional backpack that you can get for it. Designed to be the ultimate must-have accessory for the 705. The LC192 is the perfect utility backpack. Features like a safety strap with a quarter 20 mounting lug to keep the IC705 from accidentally falling out of the custom radio compartment. To the user adjustable internal panels for custom compartments for the antennas, battery packs, and other items necessary for an afternoon soda activation. And it, it really is a really nice backpack. And this is what they're talking about. When you put the radio in, there's a strap right here with a quarter 20 that uh, will literally keep it from falling out. So I uh, always make sure that I put that back on. Mm -hmm. But it's very nice. Uh, it probably sounds really loud on the camera. Probably does, yeah. <laughs> so, it does. Anyway, I won't open yeah. the other ones. But it's a really nice backpack yeah. you can get for it. It's an optional backpack. Yeah, we're we're not giving away a backpack with the contest but you'll here, probably but, want to get one when you yeah. win it yeah i mean you're ahead of the game if you win so yeah yeah you might want to consider the backpack yeah, i think absolutely gonna need some stuff to go along with that of course and what better place to start than with an antenna you could use an antenna it's not much you? good without an antenna what have we got there for an antenna tommy you want to show it to us i do want to show it to you once yeah. i can get my hands free here it's the MFJ 1982 LP for low power. 
It's a 80 through 10 meter, 30 watt in-fed antenna, full HF coverage, um, no tuner needed on most frequencies. No long counterpoise radio or feed line required. I think you can hook a ground to it, or you can run like a a 20-foot counterpoise wire on it, and that's all you need. Uh, In-fed radiators have the unique quality of resonating on a halfway fundamental frequency, plus even and odd harmonics above. Broadband matching transformer at the feed point lets the entire HF spectrum be yours, SWR is so low, you may never need a tuner. I didn't know that about NFEDs. Get on the air with just one high center or end support. Installations fast for home, road, or emergencies. And you can install it virtually anywhere in just minutes. Comes with a rugged insulated wire radiator that prevents detuning when contacting limbs or branches. No snag in insulator. That slides over branches and through foliage without hang-ups. And you can toss it over a high limb, use it as an inverted V, or just hang the far end up high and use it as a powerful sloper. Or even go vertical (laughs) with an inverted L. Dark jacketed wires, virtually invisible. So, you know, you might slip it by some antenna-restricted areas and get on the air. It makes great emergency backup. For your regular antenna as well. Feels like some good wires made out of. And a recommended accessory for that email is one of these right here. Taking my job. There you go, George. That's the uh, MFJ nine fifteen RF isolator. Um, And besides all that good hand modeling from Tommy, uh, the it's a current a one to one current balance designed to be placed in line. With the 50-ohm coax, the RF isolator is effective from 1.8 to 30 megahertz. It was designed to improve the performance of all amateur stations, fixed or mobile. The MFJ915 will reduce or eliminate stray RF often found on coax. The stray RF can cause burns, other problems with electronics equipment in the ham shacks, vehicles. Stray RF also results in a loss of radiated power from the antenna, which will lead to a great reduction in signal strength. Use of the MFJ915 will increase the efficiency of all amateur stations. And connected to that, George, is going to be the uh, the coax. Yes. It, you will want it, some coax. There you go. There's the MFJ5825X coax patch cable, 25 foot, pre-made from premium coax patch cable, weather-resistant 50-ohm RG8X coax with pre-soldered PL259 connectors. And, of course, uh, you probably want a power supply, won't you, Tom? Definitely. Hey, how about one like that one right there? Yeah. I've actually got that exact power supply. I really like it. The MFJ4230 MVP. I wonder if that means most valuable player. Uh, Good. Super compact, 30-amp, mighty light switching power supply has all of the popular features of the MFJ4230MV. Plus, a pair of Anderson power poles for Aries and Races and others that enjoy the Anderson power pole connections, which I think most hams use those for about everything nowadays. The, the front panel features five-way binding posts that allow easy access connections for your rig and your station accessories the mfj 4230 mbp is 25 amps continuous and 30 amp surge at 13.8 volts dc 
adjustable from 4 to 16 volts. Choose uh, 120 or 240 volts at 47 to 63 hertz to take it with you anywhere in the U.S. and abroad. Yep, little slide switch on the back where you select the primary voltage. Nice little power supply. Got a switch here where you can select watching the voltage or current. As as Tommy said, it's a good power supply. He has one. I have a version of this as well that um, I always use it for any portable ops, field air, whatever, if I'm using a power supply instead mm-hmm. of batteries. I've used it here in the shack when my Astron bit to dust and was out of commission for about a year. It's a great little power supply. Yeah, and it's super light. It oh, yeah. It really weighs like almost nothing, so... Carrying it around in your backpack would be no problem at all. Yep. And we got one other thing, and that will be this. Here, you, you want to be the hand model on this? <laughs> it's the MFJ553 Deluxe Wood Base Telegraph Key, featuring a Morse code straight key, non-skid, beautiful stained wood base. It's got a steel plate under the bottom so it doesn't slide around on the table. Kind of holds it steady. So you don't move around while you're trying to send. You hook up the straight key to your transmitter and go on the air sounding like you were born working QSOs and look good while doing it. Got that right. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Pre-wired plug-in is a stereo plug uh, wired to tip and sleeve connections. It'll work with those radios that require the stereo or three-conductor connector. Or it'll also work with uh, those that just have the two-conductor mono connections on there. So, hey, that'd be handy for QRP. Is there a a key jack on that radio, Tommy? You know what? I don't do CW, so I don't know. Yes, key right there. We We have Cliff and Timmy. In the chat room. And uh, Tim A mentioned he just got his uh, last week. Oh, wow. And, and he, he said there's so many features in the 705 that this should be just a show to cover all of that. It, oh, it yeah. Is, it is. It's, it's actually my, out of all the radios that I've had or, or had and probably will have, it's my, my favorite one, honestly. If I had to get rid of every other one and only have one radio, that's the one I would keep. It does everything I want to do. It, it does have everything in it. It's like a mini 7300, except it's got VHF and UHF and D-Star, D-Star built in. Yeah, exactly. And it'll run off a portable battery pack. Yeah, like forever. You can just stick a rubber duck on the end of that thing, and you got a super nice handy talkie, too, with speaker mic. I've run it with a rubber duck on it before. Yeah. So if you'd like to win that, let me say that all of this information is... Available online, amateurlogic.tv slash contest. You must be a licensed U.S. or Canadian amateur radio operator with a U.S. or Canadian shipping address. Only have one entry per contestant. Sending more than one entry will disqualify you, so please only send one. If you send one, you should get a response back. There's an autoresponder on it. If you don't get it, check your spam box and double-check, and if you don't have that... Email George or myself, and we'll be glad to double-check before you send an extra entry in. Yeah. So don't don't get disqualified. Ask first. As always, you can email us at our first name at amateurlogic.tv. 
that doesn't mean type at our first name. That would be like Tommy at Amateur Logic or we George at Amateur that one Logic. Up, see if anybody yeah. gets any. You could even put email in there, and he would relay for you. I imagine. I think he would do He's that. a nice fellow. I bet you'd do yeah. that. The winner's responsible for any taxes incurred. We don't know that there's ever been any incurred, but but if they are, should it be the yours? Yep. The winner agrees to the use of his or her call sign name in promotional and news items related to the contest. Contestants must not be an employee or affiliate of Amateur Logic, ICOM, or MFJ Enterprises. And how you enter? Well, it's real simple. You send an email to contest2023 at amateurlogic.tv and only put your call sign in the subject line. Only your call sign. If you put anything else in the subject line, your entry is not going to be chosen because these are being sorted by call sign. Down in the body of the email message, we want you to include your name, call sign, class of license, and address in the email message. Now, we, we don't harvest these. We're just going to draw a winner randomly at the close of the contest here, and then we'll dispose of all the entries. So you won't be getting spam or anything from entering this contest. Submissions must be made between Friday, September 15th, and Monday, October the 16th of 2023. That means right now, while we're shooting this episode, you could be entering Get on it. The way we're going to select a winner is by a random number. We're going to take the number of entries received, generate a random number. That's who wins it. And it's going to be announced on the October 20th episode of Amateur Logic. We're going to be a week later next month. We want to give you a full month to enter and let as many people as would like register for this contest. So uh, October the 20th is when we'll be doing the drawing and announce the winner live on Amateur Logic. If it's determined that the uh, winner doesn't meet the qualification requirements, then we'll choose another winner using the same method. All the contest rules and information will be posted at AmateurLogic.tv slash contest. Nice package, especially if you're going to do QRP work or you just want to grab a radio and go out and get on the air. I don't, I don't know of anything any nicer. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And thanks again to ICOM and MFJ for providing the prizes for this giveaway. Cl- Cliff in the chat room, you remember Cliff. Cliff won yeah. one. Yeah, yes. he's, he's saying he's going to go ahead and let somebody else win it this time. Well, that's good, Cliff, because I doubt your name would get drawn this time. Just saying. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you've won one of our anniversary contests before, um, you, you probably won't win this one, but. One of our viewers is, and, you know, go ahead and register now. Uh, we'll be posting around on the social media sites, um, you know, information about the contest so that other people can register as well. But tell your buddies, yes, it will reduce your odds of winning, but tell your buddies anyway. Tommy, any final thoughts before we get out of here for tonight? No, it's been a fun show, a ballon-packed episode, and... Uh, <laughs> Don't uh, don't forget to go. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. <laughs> don't forget to uh, go put your entry in for the contest. So I'm looking forward to seeing who's going to win. Yep. And maybe this Tuesday night, this coming Tuesday night. It's typically the Tuesday after the show. We'll talk to Tom. I haven't heard from him either, but that's the regularly scheduled time. So let's assume that it's there. I had to bow out of that when they were asking me and Mike. <laughs> 
to uh, do the net control for this one. And my Aries nets, we're still in hurricane season. It's right at the same time as all of our Aries nets, which we take pretty darn serious right now. So, and I think Mike, I don't know if he's going to be back or not. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, we let him yeah, know. I don't know when he's yeah, I, I don't know either. I, I think he's will probably still be to see. If you want to know what's going on throughout the month or between shows or whatever, or you know, know when maybe the next show is coming up, or information about a contest that might be going on, or just some general um, good BS that you know is shared among the, the crew here and the people who watch the show. There's you mean a, bullseye. Bullseye, yes, exactly. That's what I meant. You can find that at uh, facebook.com slash group slash amateurlogic.tv. You can follow us at Amateur Logic on Twitter. Or you can subscribe to our groups.io group. That's groups.io slash g slash amateurlogic. You can do that. And if you need show notes, and, and who wouldn't? Everybody loves show notes. I ho- at least I hope they do, because I put them out there every month, yep. every two weeks, actually. <laughs> Amateur Logic yep. Show Notes Wiki is at amateurlogic.tv forward slash wiki. Yep. Yep. Yeah, he's the man, Emil. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, I don't know. I'm just going to tell you. Go enter this contest if you're a licensed U.S. or Canadian amateur. Don't have to be any particular class. You could be anywhere from a technician, general, advanced, or an extra. And what's the and what's the right response to the end of the contact for the contest? Seven three. Good luck in the contest. There you go. Where do we get those snazzy shirts? There, Tommy. Anywhere? Yeah, you can get them somewhere. <laughs> I don't know where George got the shirt. I don't know where he got it from. Where did you get this? Dayton, that? Ohio. Uh, yes, I think I did get it from Dayton, Ohio, but it looks like a Canadian shirt to me. Oh, does it? Yeah. Oh, this is from the V3 MIC factory? Yep. Okay. Oh, nice. Got it. Custom. Nice. Cool. Import. Snazzy, man. Fragility. Snazzy. Fragility. No, I don't know if it's, it's a major award. Not, yeah. It's the, the best, best looking dressed ham on the show. Yep. This one came off the internet somewhere. I'm not sure. <laughs> Yeah. The dark I, web. I really do. Yeah. I lo- like the shirts. They do a great job with those. Yeah. Very nice. Join us on the 29th, which is not next Friday, but the one after for the next episode of Ham College, where we're studying for the amateur extra exam. We got some learning to do. So join Gonna us. Going to have some explaining to do, too, I'm sure. I'm sure we will. <laughs> learning and explaining. When we get through with it, we're going to have a lot of explaining to do. Yeah. We had but, some uh, buzzer action last last yeah. uh, Ham College. One well, buzzer each. 7-3, everyone. Thanks for being here. And we will see you back here on Amateur Logic on October the 20th. Yeah, I'm going to say it one more time. 7-3, and good luck in the contest. 7-3. 7-3. 7-3.